You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. I was walking through the halls of a Minnesota rink when along came a wild fan who started talking smack to me. He said, I bet you never liked the blues until they won a cup. So I calmly turned to him and said, hey man, listen up. I admit it's pretty great to win Lord Stanley's prize, but listen. I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in here, 52, man. Give me a let's go blues. I know Arbor, Unger, Picker, Plager, Rab, McDonald, Shock, Hall, Chris Moore, Patey, Harvey, Jimmy, Robert, Sabarin, Berenson, Thompson, Eggers, Hester, Baird, Pierre, Plant, Jock, Plant, Gossip, Merrick, Ritzer, Bono, Stevenson, Davidson, St. Marcy, McCreary, Leffley, Eccles, Tonehawk, Palazzari, Talbot, Keenan, Sandy, Yassi, yes sir, I'm a blues fan, yes sir, I'm a blues fan, heartbreak's all I knew, man, that team from old St. Lou, man, got a cup in here, 52, man, give me a let's go blues. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes, located in the best city in the Midwest, better than all the rest, better than anywhere, St. Louis. And we are your home for blues content on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am one half of your hosting team, Tom Franklin, joined as always by my partner in crime, the man called Wags. And Wags, how you living, man? Oh, living well, living well, despite the fact that the Blues are out of the playoffs. We do still have four native St. Louisans with a chance to win the Stanley Cup, so at least there's a rooting interest there, and some former Blues players that still have a chance, too. So somebody from the Blues organization of St. Louis is going to win the Cup, and I am looking forward to that. Yes, I am as well, and you know, while, while it is, it just, it just tears your guts up inside that the Blues aren't in the playoffs anymore. Uh, oh, by the way, that, that was a slight nod to the fact that uh, you, you might be out next week. So uh, going under the knife this week, hope it goes well for you, bud. Thank and, you, sir. Uh, and uh, a swift recovery for you. Yeah, I, I hope it is because I, I really want to be back uh, talking sports as quickly as possible because uh, that's kind of the thing that's driving me right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, what, whatever hides the pain. Yes. Whatever hides the, and we're not just talking about the fact that Blues are not going to be defending Stanley Cup champions because they're out of the playoffs. It's <laughs> no, not fair. All right, that's fine. That's okay, fine. we're done. Really, we're done. It's fine. We're good. We're good. It's fine. It's fine. But as you said, we can take solace in the fact that a St. Louis native will be on the Stanley Cup this year. And we have four choices. Um, of course, our buddy Pat Maroon, the pride of Oakville, uh, still alive in Tampa, who might be the favorites to win the whole thing at this point, honestly. Um, we have Scott Mayfield, the defender for the new, uh, the new York Islanders. I believe he's Chesterfield, I think. Um, somewhere out in West County, I think he is. Um, Maroons Oakville. We have Paul Stastny, also West County uh, with Vegas. And then, of course, we have the Pride of Chaminade uh, High School, Ben Bishop for Dallas. So uh, pretty cool that we're still going to have some St. Louis representation on the Stanley Cup this year. And, um, you know, it's, it's been kind of interesting just, you know, watching the playoffs unfold without the Blues in it. Because, you know, you know one thing that we, we – when your team is still in the playoffs – it, the other games tend to kind of fade into the background a little bit. You don't really pay them much heat or much attention. 
But now that the Blues are out of the playoffs, you know, we're getting to see some really good hockey. Dude, we had three game sevens in the last, you know, two days before we recorded this. And we've been seeing some really great hockey wags. Oh, we certainly have. I mean, you've seen uh, you've seen history too. I mean, you had the Dallas Colorado game actually going to overtime. You had a rookie guy, a rookie scoring a hat trick, including the game winning goal uh, to propel Dallas to the victory. You've seen you know Flyers and Islanders. That was a great series, and then the Islanders just kind of kicked butt in Game Four. Actually, Mayfield got the opening and game winning goal, so that's another notch in the St. Louis belt right there. Uh, you've got Tampa, who's kind of been off a little bit because they almost essentially swept Boston. They won four straight. Uh, and then, then you've got Vegas that just, I mean, Vancouver just did not go away. So the fact that you're able to focus on all those series and see some great hockey and see just some epic series, uh, especially considering three of those series were 3-1 and ended up going to game seven as well. That, that just shows you how great the hockey is and goes back to our point that this really is going to come down to who is the best team in the NHL because there's no other excuses. Yes, teams have been dealing with injury, but everybody came into it on the same playing field, and everybody kind of has gotten to the point where the better teams are in the, the, the semifinals going into the, the Stanley Cup finals. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, uh, let's go ahead and talk real quick just about some of the picks that we made um, You know, a couple of episodes ago. Of course, we had Trainwreck on with us. He made his picks. He's not able to join us for this week. Um, he's doing something with his family this weekend, so obviously family life, important. Um, but for me, you know, I've, I've got right now three of the four of my favorite non-Blues teams that are still alive. And um, I so on the West, you have um Vegas getting by by the skin of their teeth um you know against a very game Thatcher Demko which you know you want to talk about all-time great goaltending playoff performances you know last year you know in the second round there was Ben Bishop this year in the second round there was Thatcher Demko and uh, that probably I'm guessing might seal Jacob Markstrom's future in Vancouver because while he's a good goaltender Demko's young and he's obviously the future in Vancouver so um yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to seeing what Demko can do going forward. Whether he, if that was just a one round fluke or if the, if he is indeed the real deal, I think he's the real deal, Wags. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, he's been the real deal potential for them for the last couple of years, and he's had some good games in the regular season. But just the fact that he came in and really led Vancouver back to a game seven, and honestly. Vancouver had every chance to win that game seven. Demko kept them in it. It wasn't until I believe the third period that Vegas even scored their first goal. So he, he kept that team in that game. And if Vancouver would have broken the ice first, I, I think Vegas would have folded. I really do. So yeah, Demko is the future there and he is going to be their starter next year. And unfortunately for Jacob Markstrom, who put in a great season and a great postseason run, he's going to be getting a good payday somewhere. Some team's going to pay him. It's just, unfortunately for them, it's probably not going to be in Vancouver. No, it's not. It's not. And then on the flip side of that, you have Dallas beating the Kroenke owned Colorado Avalanche, which, you know, you know, I, and, and I had to explain this to Tyler from offside by a mile who handles uh, the Avalanche on our on our network here. He was kind of getting a little butthurt that I was so anti Avs all of a sudden for game seven. But it's like I had to explain that it's like, have you ever seen the movie Das Boot? West. I have not, and I need to, because A, I'm German, and B, I'm a huge World War II buff, so I need to see that movie. Yes, it, it, is a, it is one of the greatest war movies of all time, and by the end of the movie, you feel so bad 
for those submariners, you know, that were that were that that were featured throughout the whole movie because they went through absolute hell. And it's just a shame that those submariners served Hitler. And that is how we feel about the Avs and Stan Kroenke. You know, that just that sums it up right there. I mean, the players are great. I think McKinnon's a fantastic player. Cole McCarr is going to be a great, you know, going to be a great defender growing up. But they all get a paycheck from Stan Kroenke. So, boo. Um, but, yeah, they. I was very happy to see Dallas advance. You know, for one, they're an underdog story. I don't think anyone gave them a chance, even in the round robin, you know, of being anything this playoffs. And then, you know, they, they're, they're, they're kind of shocking the world as we, as we speak. But also, you know, I gained a lot of respect for Dallas last year during the round two series of the Blues. I mean, you know, Asa Lindell aside, um, you know, they, it was a very competitive series. It, it felt like two warriors going at it. And, you know, they were, here we are one year plus later, and Dallas is in game seven of a round two. And uh, I was glad to see they overcame the avalanche and advanced. And uh, just, just for nothing else, because of what they did last year and how close they were last year, uh, for me, for me, they're, a, they're, they're kind of a feel-good story for me, at least, Wags. Yeah, I mean, uh, just look at Kiviranta. I mean, that, yeah. that right there should give you just a lot of excitement because, I mean, last year they had Rupe Hentz, who, who was an annoying pest, but he was a pretty good offensive player. Uh, and now you got Kiviranta, who just burst onto the scene in Game 7, really had 11 games in the regular season. That was it. Uh, yeah. So just, it's just one of those things that every year there seems to be a team that has some sort of little piece of magic that gets you going. Last year, it was Bennington for the Blues. This year, maybe it's Kiviranta for the Stars, and maybe they get a chance to get back to the finals and maybe actually legitimately win a Stanley Cup this year. I am I'm looking just saying. I'm just saying. Just you never saying. know. You never know. You really never. I mean, like last year, who, who could have picked the Blues in, you know, in, the, in the start of the playoffs, you know? I mean, and look what happened. Um, and meanwhile, I'm, all, I'm here searching for a Kiviranta jersey on Fanatics so, uh, uh, and CoolHockey.com. So, uh, uh, yeah, that, the awesome story, man. Just, just coming out of nowhere, getting, getting the hat-trick hero, the game-winning goal. I mean, that, that's what you dream of when you're playing hockey as a kid, right? You know, you're playing on the street, you know, you know in between cars passing through. You know, you, you, know you're, you, 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 you live for moments like that. And it's just it's so amazing, Wags, when you see those moments come to life. I'm 35 and I still have those dreams. <laughs> Don't we? Well, <laughs> I mean, I still play hockey, so at least there's something. There's still something there. But for me, it's it's a it's a Sunday rec league. So I mean, there's so there's only so you know, it's not the Stanley Cup, but <laughs> you still want to be able to you still want to have those moments. Yeah, exactly. And then and then the East, you know, the New York Islanders. First of all, on Saturday night, uh, they get the job done against Philadelphia, which surprised me. Speaking of surprises, because I thought Philadelphia. Uh, you know, was going to make a beeline to the finals. And uh, the Islanders, you know, they, 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 they play that very kind of methodical, grinded out defensive style. And you always, and I think as I said in our episode with Gabriel Foley, when we were, you know, kind of laying out the entire playoffs, you always give teams like that at least a puncher's chance because if you can keep the scoring down, all you need is one or two goals and you might be able to get the job done. Now, in the case of the Islanders, they actually, you know, racked up, you know, quite a few against Philadelphia in game seven. But uh, that's I think the Islanders might be more of a surprise than the stars, you know, just because I think a lot of people wrote them off just maybe just for the simple fact they play boring hockey. Um, but yet here they are. They're they're in the finals, uh, Eastern, Eastern Conference finals. That's uh, that's kind of a surprise. 
Well, and Thomas Grice was the uh, goaltender in Game 7. Like, yeah. I didn't even know Thomas Grice was still playing, yeah. and yet here he is in a Game 7. And it just really makes you sit there and go, can you ever really count out a Barry Trotz team? No. I mean, it took them a long time to win a Stanley Cup, but Nashville was always there. They were always tough to beat. Washington was always there, was always tough to beat. They ended up winning the Cup finally. And now the Islanders, you know, and someone put out a great statistic on Twitter. It's been two years since John Tavares went to Toronto. Playoff series wins for Toronto, zero. Playoff series wins for the Islanders, four. So, you know, it, there's you cannot I, – I cannot now ever – go against a Barry Trotz team and I'm not saying I'm going to pick them over Tampa Bay but I would not be surprised if this series went deep oh definitely definitely that's and 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 Tampa as good as they they have been um you know they they they, they can get caught you know like remember last year with uh, with the Columbus Blue Jackets as uh, we get a musical interlude suddenly um uh, but um yeah t- uh, Tampa last year they got taken out by Columbus but they've looked every bit the part of a top team in the Eastern conference, they've, you know, they, they might be the team to beat right now, but as you said, you know, they, they're going up against the Islanders team that can shut down the big teams and you can never truly count out a Barry Trotz team. But I think for me, you know, I, I look at the, I look at Tampa, number one, it's the city of my birth. So I'm still going to pick them no matter what, but number two, um, you know, they got Maroon, they got Shattenkirk, two former blues, um, you know, I know the Islanders have Mayfield, um, but you know, for me, I think I think a lot of Blues fans, you know, should be backing Tampa just because you have the Pat Maroon factor, you have the Kevin Shattenkirk factor, and uh, and I, I just think they're the better team. Well, that and they've also had their fair share, just like the Blues, of heartbreaking playoff losses and struggles, uh, despite having probably a superior team. You know, all of the Blues in the late '90s, early 2000s, especially that Shark series. Oh, God, sorry uh, yeah, yeah 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 but so yeah I, I could definitely see why why you would want to throw your your weight behind Tampa Bay uh, they're a team that yes they have a Stanley Cup victory in their pockets already but they're a team that kind of deserves another chance at, at a Stanley Cup championship uh, the Islanders have more championships than the Lightning so there's that other piece of it as well <laughs> so I mean what was it four straight that they went that they won in the, the 70s or 80s something like that yeah it was it was obnoxious yeah, yeah. Al Arbor former blue former yep. blue that, that, that helps as well but yeah I mean just the fact that you're you know you've got Pat Maroon there and maybe he is that magic charm that up until last year people were like uh ah, can he really be the, the missing piece? Well, he was the missing piece for the Blues last year, and so far he's been that missing piece for the Tampa Bay Lightning this year, giving them that grit. So, yeah, I mean, I think Tampa is definitely the favorite out of all four teams that are left, but all four teams that are left have a legit shot at winning the Stanley Cup this year. Oh, definitely, definitely. And then and then back in the West, I mean, you have Vegas and Dallas. Uh, Vegas had one, once upon a time, I would have considered them to be kind of like the fee five faux fum favorite of the playoffs. Um, they looked, they, they, they got tested in, in, in round two. And, um, you know, not only that, but then you have, they're going to be without Ryan Reeves for a game. He got suspended one game for that hit. Did you see that hit? Do you think, I, I mean, it, it, it looked like an ugly hit. I don't think it was intentional so much, but, uh, uh, just a pretty ugly hit by Reeves. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's definitely the hit that they're trying to take out of the league, that fly-by yeah. clip onto the head uh, yeah. because it's it's one of those things that it's so – I wouldn't say it's minor because it is a legit hit to the head, but it's such a, a fast, quick one. It's not like those big, brutal hits that you used to see in the 90s where you're like, whoa, that guy got destroyed. Yeah. Uh, 
So, yeah, I mean, I think they – I think the league knows that a guy like Ryan Reeves isn't a dirty player. Uh, he definitely toes the line sometimes, but he's not a dirty player. I think that's why he only got the one game. Uh, he did get a five-minute major and did get kicked out of the rest of that game against Vancouver. But I'm not surprised that it was a game. Uh, and, and honestly, for Dallas, I'd be afraid uh, because you get a guy like that and Ryan Reeves sitting out missing a game, he's going to stew over what he could have done in game one, especially if Vegas were to lose that game. Um, I, I'd watch out if I were the stars in game two when Ryan Reeves gets back on the ice. Yeah, you got to love Ryan Reeves. I mean, like, like even after he was kicked out of the game, he was in the tunnel, you know, you know, celebrating with the players, you know, being there for, you know, for his players. That's the one thing I remember about Ryan Reeves as a St. Louis Blue was how great of a teammate that he was. And it's one reason I miss him a lot. Oh, no question. And I- I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of antics he has for the Dallas Stars because the last time he played the Stars, he, he had the famous kiss. Yeah. You know, that, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm going to be very, very interested to see what Ryan Reeves has cooked up for the Stars. And his brother, uh, Jordan, was on uh, Weekly Nightly last week, uh, the, our, our Golden Knights podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Very good conversation. And hopefully we can get Ryan on Blue Notes at some point here in the near future as well. We're trying to, we're trying to endeavor that as we speak. So, uh, but, you know, as, as, far as, a final, as, far, as far as final picks goes, I mean, I think, I, I think Tampa comes out of the East. Uh, out of the West, I'm going to say Vegas in – but I, I'm going to say Vegas in seven. You know, I, I think this Dallas team's game, they're going to give them a ride. But I, but I still think Vegas comes out. Yeah, Maybe. and you, you know what? I, I think you're probably right on that. But I'm going to go into, I'm going to go on the limb here. I'm going to say Dallas gets it in six. Okay. Uh, I, I think that they are going to use that momentum that they came you – know, I'm not a huge person that, that believes in momentum, but I think Dallas does, and I think they're going to ride what they have. Uh, Anton Kudobin has been phenomenal in net for, for the Stars, and I honestly, I think it was a, a mistake that they put Ben Bishop in uh, when they did. They could have ended that series a little bit sooner. Uh, I think this is Kudobin's team going forward. I think he is uh, a guy that can win them some games. Uh, so I'm going to go Dallas in six. Um, okay. I'm going to go out on the limb there, but I do think it's Tampa Bay uh, in the Eastern Conference side of things. I think they're going to win their series in six. I think the Islanders will be game as well, uh, but I think it's going to be Tampa Bay, Dallas in the Stanley Cup Finals. Interesting, interesting. Okay, and, and I also have Tampa in six as well, so that, uh, uh, yeah, I can definitely see, see all that happening. Uh, so let's go ahead and move on to some Blues notes here. And uh, first things first, of course, we had a big trade this week. As you can see on the board, you know, if you're watching me up above my finger here, I got my, the right hand this time, so that's good. Um, but uh, Jake Allen uh, has been traded away. He is now a Montreal Canadian. I gave my thoughts on it uh, in a special video that I did on our Facebook and YouTube and Twitter. Uh, you can find it at Blue Notes Pod. Um, and my, it's the Jake Allen saga in St. Louis is a complicated one. First of all, I didn't even realize until I did that video that he'd been with the Blues for 12 years. That's a long time. I mean, I, do you remember what you were doing in 2008? I, I don't. Uh, 2008? Oh my gosh, I was five years out of high school. I probably didn't even know what I was doing with my life at that point in time. So uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, 2008 is too far, too far gone. That's 12 years ago. That's crazy. It's, it's a long time. I was just getting into radio in 2008. That's when I finally, I also did the whole, you know, five years out of high school and I have no idea what I'm doing thing until I decided, you know what, I'm going to give radio a shot because why not? Because nothing else seems to be sticking. Um, so, so, yeah, long time to be a part of the St. Louis Blues. And, of course, 
Jake Allen, he had a lot of hype coming up. You know, we, we kind of painted him as the next one, you know, quote unquote, you know, because of course the Blues have been looking for that next one since arguably, you could say Fjord, maybe. I mean, some would even say Cujo. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, he, and he looked good. He looked good at the start. He looked like he looked very promising. He forces Brian Elliott out of town. And then, well, let's just, let's just, let, let's call his tenure in St. Louis a roller coaster. You know, let, let, let's be nice and, 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 and say that. Um, but uh, he goes to Montreal. Do you, do you think it was the right move? Um, for him, you know what, for him, I don't know. Uh, he seems happy about it. Uh, in the interviews that he's given, you can just feel the excitement in his voice. I mean, growing up, if you look at all of his backstory, every team he played for was a Canadians team, you know, junior team, peewee teams. They were all Canadians. He grew up in that area. So going back and getting a chance to play close to your home, close to your family, close to your friends, uh, is a very exciting endeavor, but it's also a lot of pressure as well. And the fact that he's got Carey Price in front of him, I think maybe lessens that a little bit because, you know, obviously Carey Price is still one of the best goaltenders in the league and he doesn't have to be the guy up there. And that's what we've seen with Jake Allen, especially down here, is that when he was the guy, there was that struggle. But when he had somebody there that can push him to be better and Carey Price is going to be a guy that can push him to be the best, uh, it's not a bad scenario for him. Uh, the thing is with the Canadians, they're paying over $10 million next year in their goaltending. Uh, you thought the Blues were kind of up against it paying $8 million for, for yeah. Bennington and Allen. You got the Canadians paying over $10 million for their two guys. So I think it's I think it's a good thing for Jake Allen. He seems to be happy about it. Uh, we're going to miss him down here in St. Louis. I think he, he got a raw end of the deal when it came to people, you know, actually supporting him here in St. Louis. Um, I've been an Allen apologist for years. I, I think he's a guy that uh, proved a lot more than what people are giving him credit for. Uh, so I think it's going to be a loss for the Blues next year, not having somebody like Allen there to back up Bennington. But for the Blues' sake, it does open up money for Alex Petrangelo. Um, you weren't going to sign Alex Petrangelo until you moved one of Allen, Steen, or Bozak. And the fact that they got – move out of the way now shows you that they have some wiggle room and that they know, okay, if Alex signs for this, we only have to get rid of this, not <laughs> we signed Alex and now we have to get rid of all of this. At least now they know, you know, what they have on the books and what they can, what they need to get rid of. And it makes it a little bit more palatable. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think this was kind of a win-win for both. Alan gets a chance to go to a new organization, get a new start, be near home. But for the Blues, it's, okay, we got money to resound Alex Petrangelo. It does put up the question mark of who's going to back up Jordan Bennington next year. And it also gives you the, the, the thing of, will Jordan Bennington be able to rise to the occasion as the number one? Because he strikes me as a guy like Allen that maybe needs somebody to push him to be better and better and better. So we'll see. I mean, Billy Huso's the guy that's going to probably be next up. We'll see. Um, and it, it, is Huso going to be a guy that's going to be able to push Bennington to be better? Yeah, and that's a good question. I mean, Huso has had his ups and downs in the AHL. I mean, I know he's, I think he's dealt with some injury issues, which make his numbers look kind of, you know, fugly when you take a look at his, you know, rampage numbers. But uh, he's been a guy that, you know, even before Bennington was even considered an option was supposed to be the next one for the Blues. And uh, just for whatever reason, it hasn't materialized yet. But now the Blues that, now that he's under a one-year, one-way deal, you know, where they're paying for his full salary regardless of where he plays, you know, I think they want to see what they have in Huso. I think that, you know, they're still going to give Bennington the bulk of the starts. Like, they're probably going to give Huso maybe like 20 to 30, 
you know, starts as I is is I believe what Doug Armstrong has been quoted as, and and his and and for a guy like Huso, you know, when you're when you're developing as a goaltender, you do need some NHL time at some point in your career, you know, and 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 I guess for you know lack of better options and just because of the situation that the Blues are in, that time is now for him. So I I think you you give Huso a year to see what you have in him. Um, you also give Bennington a year because, of course, he's going to be a free agent after uh, his contract's up uh, next year. And you give him a chance to see, okay, is he going to be the guy long-term or not? Which signing that, you know, making him a, just a two-year contract, I think was, you know, in hindsight was a genius move by the Blues because it gives you a chance to see, okay, what do we have here? You know, you pay him for, you know, his good performance to get the Blues to the Stanley Cup and all that, and that's fine. But you need to know if Bennington's going to be a true number one. And after what we saw in, you know, just the just in Edmonton and then even at parts during the season, Bennington does have a question mark around him, you know, right now. And and now you, you you've you've gotten rid of the safety blanket, so to speak, by trading Allen away, um, which I think for Montreal makes a lot of sense because Carey Price has gotten a lot of work under his belt. You know, just in the last couple of seasons, he's played the most games out of any goaltender in the last couple of seasons. So they needed relief up there. They had the cap space to get Jake Allen. And, you know, one thing, Wags, that I, I heard a lot of people complain about was that, well, we only got a third rounder for Jake for Jake Allen. Um, the thing with goaltenders in this league is you never seem to quite get the value that you think you should be getting for a goaltender because it seems like it's, it's everyone's got at least one decent goaltender. It seems so it's just, it really just depends on what you feel is a need for your team and how it can work under the salary cap. And personally, I mean, I would have expected a second rounder for Jake Allen, but I'm fine with a third. I it's, it's, I think that's about as much as you're going to get for a guy that makes $4.35 million with just one year left on his deal. Yeah. I, I think it was exactly what, he was going to get when, when the trade market for him opened up is a third. Yeah. They, they also swapped seventh round picks as well. So maybe there's a little bit more value in that, depending on where the, uh, the Canadians finish, you know, when that pick is due up. So um, yeah, I mean, you always want to get the most for your players, but, but sometimes you have to take what you can get as well. And, and a third round picks, not bad as well. I mean, the, the blues have found some, some gems in the third round as, as have other teams. And this scouting department that the Blues have, uh, considering Bill Armstrong, looks like he might be around. Uh, he didn't get the job down in, in Florida. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not going to sit there and say that the they're going to hit a home run, but I have a lot of faith in the Blues uh, scouting department and their draft strategy. That a third round pick for Jake Allen is actually going to turn out to be a huge boon for them uh, in the next couple of years. Let's not forget that Jordan Biddington was a third round pick. That he was back in the day. Uh, and of course we uh, traded Eric Brewer to get that third round pick. So funny how things just happen to work out sometimes, but you know, as far as Jake Allen's tenure in St. Louis goes, I mean, I've, I don't put myself in the Allen hater category. I mean, cause I think there's some Allen haters out there that are just really just reprehensible and just kind of cringe. Um, and they, and some of them just don't, they're incapable of seeing two sides of the coin, you know, so to speak. I can see two sides of the coin with Jake Allen. I mean, physically, his tools were always there. It always just seemed that, like, for whatever reason, between the years, he just couldn't quite uh, get it to get it to work out, you know, at least on a consistent basis. Um, 
but you know, at the same time, I, I think a lot of that was a little bit unfair. I think a lot of the negativity towards him was a little bit unfair. And I think we saw, you know, just him starting to break out of that a little bit, you know, this season and even in the playoffs. I mean, he didn't have a crowd to heckle him, you know, unlike in the past. So, and look what he did. He pitched a 1.89 goals against average in the, uh, what was it? Four games that he played, you know, in the, in these, in, in these playoffs. So, um, I do, I do kind of agree that that Allen got a bit of a bum rap, but at the same time, he, I also see that he did have some issues, and uh, that was an issue. I, I, we did have a call, by the way, on our Blue Notes fan line three one four three two nine four three four nine three one four three two nine four three four nine, and it's my Allen hating friend who had this comment. He left right after uh, the Allen trade. Let's go ahead and take a listen. So uh, I just saw that Jake Allen has been traded, and I'm just so happy right now. Um, also, I'm going to call it now. This probably means for sure Angelo's signing is imminent. So anyway, but uh, uh, now let me get back to my celebrating that Allen has been traded. So woo! Yeah, that that is a that that's what you call an Allen hater right there, and he uh, he celebrated that like it was Christmas. So you know, uh, here's the thing, though. I mean. Jake Allen was three wins away from tying Mike Liu for most wins in Blues history as a goaltender. So, you know, it, it, his stuff, the stuff was there. He had some good teams in front of him, yes, but he also had some piss-poor teams in front of him as well when it came to offensive capabilities. I mean, hell, Eric Brewer was back there on defense for a little while. Like you said, we traded him for Bennington, which ended up being good. But the, the guy, his, his worst goals against average with the Blues was a 2.83 back in 18-19, the year they won the Cup. So – I mean, that's that's exactly what you would want out of a, a solid goaltender in the NHL right now. If somebody gives you, you know, gives you a 260 to 275 goals against average, save percentage, yes, it, it kind of dipped into the low 90s uh, for for most of the last couple of years. But still, any anytime you have a goaltender that's giving you a a 910 save percentage and 2.5 goals against or so, you take that in a heartbeat. So the fact that Blues fans are ripping on the dude that's what drove me nuts is this guy is one of the all-time leaders in wins in your team's history and yet you can't get behind him that that, that blows my mind right there yes he let in some soft goals but he also was a very very solid goaltender for his time here in st louis yeah i tend to agree with you on that and uh i hope everything goes well for him in montreal which by the way can be a kind of a rough media market for for players you know there's a you know we often talk about the toronto microscope that you know these players get up there well montreal there's a bit of expectation up there as well so we'll see what happens i'm going to be very interested in the canadians this year if nothing else just to see how the price allen dynamic works up there um it's gonna be a very interesting story to follow and funny you mentioned michael Ute, by the way because we have an Aloha commentary today from uh, the Hawaii Blues fan, and he actually talked to Mike Liu this week for his Blue Note fan report, which you can find on YouTube. And uh, he, and uh, Guy was kind enough to include an excerpt of that uh, interview for us. So let's go ahead and hear what he has to say uh, about Jake Allen. Aloha! This is Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, host of the Blue Note fan report on YouTube with my Aloha commentary. The Blue Note fan report is in mourning. Jake Allen has been traded to the Montreal Canadiens for somebody else's third round pick. The timing of this move completely just bedazzles me. 
Um, I, I, I'm not sure it was the right move at the right time. Um, I think that moving him closer to the draft would have been better. Uh, that might interfere with free agency and what they want to do with Petrangelo. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm a little, well, for, let's roll back. Jake Allen, myself, and everyone who watches the Blue No Fan Report, and my group on Facebook, the Hawaii Blues Fan Clan, want to send out a huge thank you to you. Um, you have spent an amazing 12 years in St. Louis. You've, you've been a great blue. Um, I'm glad that you're a Stanley Cup champion. I'm glad that your daughters are St. Louisans. And um, I hope to someday see you back with the, with the team in some capacity. I wish you the best of luck wherever you end up. And um, hopefully, Elian will still keep talking to me. He's a good guy. And... Hopefully you'll give me a, a, a moment or two to chat me up. With that being said, you know, now the Blues goalie situation is kind of murky. Uh, you have Bennington at number one. Um, oh, well, Jake Allen, here's the other thing. you got to remember, with his time here, he is second in wins behind my guest this week. A little, uh, let's see if you guys know who it is. Um, and he's second in... Uh, shutouts to the Moose, Brian Elliott. He, he had he was a very good goalie. He had his ups and downs, but he did what he was supposed to do. We got a cup. He backed it up. He helped the team. I'm happy for him. Uh, but now let's look at our murky goalie situation. You have Bennington at one, who really needs to have a bounce back. We'll talk about that a little bit down the road. Uh, then you have... Billy Husserl, who I don't think anybody sold on as an NHL player. Then you have probably Evan Fitzpatrick, who is 6'3", 206 pounds. He's 22 years old from St. John's in Canada. Um, then you have Colton Ellis, who is 6'189", 19 years old, from Waikoko Mog, Nova Scotia, Canada. Why can't you get a better town name? That's a mouthful. Um, after that is Joel Hoffer, who is uh, 20, from Winnipeg, Canada. And then, this is the wild card in all this. Vadim Zerorinko. He is a Russian. He's 19 years old. 19. He's 6'2", 176 pounds. He's still got a couple of years to grow into that body. He could easily end up at 6'4", 6'5", 210. I mean, this could be kind of a, a, a tall type goalie. This could be a goalie, you know, close to Bennington size. He could really be close to Bennington size. Um, and I said earlier that the timing mystifies me because there is another Russian uh, in this draft who everyone thinks is the number 10 overall prospect. The way this draft held out, the way this they played this, did this draft, there is some room in there to trade up into the draft. And I think that that would have been a smarter move. Um, maybe they couldn't wait to do it. Maybe they're still planning on doing it. But if this kid is going to be the next Martin Brodeur or uh, Patrick Waugh or, 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 or Glenn Hall or Jock Plant, then let's go get him. Let's go get him. If he's that good, 
let's take that chance. That's kind of how I feel about it. Um, again, uh, so now let's go to Bennington. Bennington had a up and down playoff. Not really many ups, but mainly downs. And kind of needs a bounce back. And he had an up and down season. Um, his agency, the director, Octagon Hockey, director of operations for hockey, is none other than Mike the U. Mike sat down with me and is my guest this week. Uh, show to be out soon. And this is what he had to say about Bennington and bouncing back. Right. Well, Jordan, Jordan was uh, in, within the St. Louis organization, you know, had, had uh, after his second year, it was his first full year in the American League, had a strong playoff. And then that summer they brought in Phoenix Copley, and, uh, which I didn't agree with. It was two players at the same point of their career. And every, you can't develop two at the same time at the same level. Um, so his career went sideways, predictably sideways. And, uh, um, and he had to fight through that, including one year where the Blues didn't have an American League team and they dispatched him to Providence, the Bruins team. But he was in limbo for a year. And then last year, everybody knows the story to last year. So to answer your question, when you go through that type of, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say trauma, but when you, when you go through that, that period of time, as a, particularly as a goalie, there's a lot of time to second guess yourself. And there's a lot of frustration that you have to, you know, push down. And when he received his chance last year for the first time, um, he maintained a, a very healthy, I'm going to show you guys, right? You didn't believe in me. I'm going to show you and, and not pushing it overboard because, you, you know, you lose your focus at that point. So people talk about, well, one, you know, he did it one year. Well, most of us don't ever do it one year. Yeah. There, right. And there's guys in the hall of fame that never did what he did. And, um, so when I look at his playoffs last year, it went two in, in uh, Winnipeg. Surprise, surprise. They come home, they lose two. Yeah. And I'm outside the room and I'm talking, seeing some of the guys, and I'm waiting for him. Vladdy comes out. Uh, coach comes out. And it was a toss-up. Who was more confident, Coach Berube or Jordan, <laughs> after they dumped two at home? Yeah. And of course, they go into Winnipeg and they win. Right, so that's a tough game to play. Game five, you lost two at home, and he did it again against Dallas, facing elimination. Right, and then against San Jose, game three or four, whatever the I can't recall the story. They a hand pass, and they gave it away. They got they had the game won. They iced the puck in the last minute, not once, twice. Yeah. Right? So okay, that, that you just. You're just begging for bad stuff to happen. And then they lose the game on a hand pass that the referees move. Any one of those can put you in the ditch, right? And every time that he was faced with that ditch moment, he came back with a sterling performance. Yeah. And you could even say uh, game five in Boston, right? Game seven in Boston. Yeah. So – you can't do that if you're a 
flash in the pan. You don't do it that many times. Too many times he had an opportunity to fall down, right? Or, or, or for it to unravel. And it, not only did it not happen, it didn't come close to happening. He was in control of every, every one of those games. I mean, the Blues took control of that. They don't play like that unless they have confidence in the guy between the pipes. Well, guys, a little long, a little late, but better late than never. This is Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, saying aloha, mahalo. Oh, boy, did I mess that up. This is Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, host of the Blue Note Fad Report uh, on YouTube and Aloha Commentary, saying aloha, mahalo. And you got to know, guys, I'm bleeding blue with you. And always good to hear uh, Mike Liute. Uh, of course, he's a very noted player agent nowadays uh, around hockey, and uh, good to see him stay in the game. And uh, uh, check out uh, his conversation with Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, at the Blue Note Fan Report, which you can find on YouTube. So um, we want to get to our guest here at this point here. We also mentioned a little while ago about that Toronto microscope. Well, uh, we have recently been talking about Colton Pareko rumors with the Toronto Maple Leafs in the last couple of weeks. They seem to have quieted down a little bit, or at least maybe been put on pause for now. But uh, we wanted to get some insight from a Maple Leafs fan and a uh, broadcaster that follows the Maple Leafs to get his insight on these Pareko rumors. Or maybe if they don't get Pareko, Maybe they signed Petrangelo from us because he's a Toronto kid. So, you know, maybe should we, worry, should we be worried about that? We're going to talk with uh, Ken Stapon from, the, from TSN 1050 in Toronto. He also hosts our newest podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, which is Not Another Lease Podcast, which is just a great name. It's a fantastic name. You can find him at Leafs Pod, another great name, by the way, on Twitter. And uh, we're going to talk to him in a little bit. We all want to pro promote our other uh, Hockey Podcast Network uh, shows. And uh, before we get to Ken, we will uh, hear from another recently recent addition to the Hockey Podcast Network, Neil Piano. He uh, hosts the Devil's State of Mind podcast. And uh, here's a little excerpt from that. What is up, Devils fans? It's your boy, Neil Villapiano. Make sure you check out the Devils State of Mind podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. From Taylor Hammer Porkroll to how much we hate the Rangers, we got you covered. New episodes every Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts or on the Hockey Podcast Network website. And always remember to rock on. Woo! Beautiful NHL 94 music means it is time to welcome our Blue Notes face-off of the week. And this week we are facing off with Ken Stapon of uh, TSN 1050 in Toronto, also a co-host of the Not Another Leafs podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, one of our newest podcasts on the network. And uh, first of all, I just want to say uh, welcome to the network and uh, welcome to the show, bud. 
Yeah, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Tom. Uh, it's good to be here. Nice to be on the Hockey Podcast Network. Everybody's been very welcoming so far and looking forward to working with everyone moving forward and another great offseason of hockey for both of our franchises. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a very active offseason. And uh, uh, by the way, you know, you, you know, mentioned mentioning the network, you know, one of the cool things that we do is we do our after hours show on every other uh, Saturday night. And we just had one last night. So uh, hopefully you get a chance to uh, check that out as well. I've been a part of it myself. And uh, uh, the last time I was on, it was a uh, let's just call it a very good time. Let's just, let's just say that I, I don't remember much of it, you know, and we'll just, we'll just leave it at that. But yeah, I was uh, poking around a little bit on it this morning. Uh, saw Isha and the guys firing it up uh, a little bit weird that he's trying to get to bed early on the same night that he's trying to <laughs> fire up the after hours. I don't know if that's necessarily advisable, but it's a bit of an oxymoron, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's too funny. <laughs> well, when you go, when you go to bed at four in the morning, you know, 11 is, is still kind of early, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's, that's like dinner fair time. It's like dinner time. Totally. Um, all right, let's go and get down to business here. So, you know, you mentioned, you know, busy off season for the Leafs. It's going to be a busy one for the Blues just because they need to do some finagling to get Petrangelo, you know, under wraps and under contract. Uh, that already started last week with Jake Allen, as we talked about before uh, uh, we brought you on here on this uh, uh, edition of Blue Notes here. But first things first. So, you know, the Toronto rumor mill, it never dies. It never sleeps. And, um, you know, we caught wind down here in St. Louis of some rumors involving Colton Pareko. Uh, we heard Colton Pareko for Andreas Janssen, Timothy Lilligren, and the 15th overall acquired from the Kapanen deal with Pittsburgh. So I got to ask you, Ken, you know, how legit are these rumors or is this just more of the unstoppable Toronto rumor mill at work here? Well, when you say how legit they are, I think from Toronto's end, they're very legit. I don't think that they'd have any reservations about giving up any of the three pieces that were mentioned in question from the St. Louis side. And I'm sure that you guys can speak better on this for me. I'm not certain that this is enough for a caliber player of Pareko, uh, especially when you look at their inability to sign Petrangelo to an extension yet. And there's a lot of questions about that. If, Pare if Petrangelo indeed is going to leave to go to another market, that makes Pareko just a, is so much bigger, a much bigger part of the decor for this team moving forward. So you have to expect that if they were going to be getting something in return, they'd want something that's going to help them more in the short term, rather than something that's going to help them build towards the future, which certainly the 15th overall pick and Timothy Lilligren aren't necessarily going to be able to contribute to the team right now. In that sense, St. Louis and Toronto are in the same boat where they're in the championship window and they want to be able to continue to compete over the short term versus looking at the long-term stability of the franchise. Yeah, and that's the thing with, with Pareko is he is such a big piece of this team. If you don't have Petrangelo re-signed, why would you even consider moving a guy like Pareko? Because he is going to be the next guy up when it comes to great defensemen here in St. Louis. And you know, we asked on Blue Notes if uh, our fans, what, would they do a Nylander for Pareko deal? We had well over 100 responses. It was pretty split, actually, which is surprising to us. But in your mind, how realistic would a Pareko for Nylander deal be for both sides. Uh, when I look at the other side of this deal, I don't think this is realistic from Toronto sense, at least going into this off season. I think Kyle Dubas has been pretty clear in his availability in the off season that he has no intention on dealing any of his big four, that being Tavares, Matthews, Marner, or William Nylander. I think in William Nylander's case as well, he'd be selling extremely low on this player at this point in time. Uh, when you look at his production over the first part of his career, 
there was a guy on Leafs Twitter the other day who posted something based off of the comparison to Nathan McKinnon and what he was able to do over his first just over 300 NHL games. And Nylander's production over that time frame has actually been better than that of Nathan McKinnon. And I feel like that's what the Toronto organization understands this player to be, that he can get to that upper echelon caliber of player and be on the same level of Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and putting up you know, 80, 90 points a year pretty readily. I'm not sure that the value is there from outside franchises at this point in time. So unlikely that they'd be making a move, even though as far as a caliber's perspective and from a needs, Pareko would fulfill that for the Maple Leafs as well as Nylander filling a need for St. Louis to bolster up front, especially with the problems that you guys have had with Vladimir Tarasenko in the injury category. And that's a big concern for the Blues going forward is, is Tarasenko's future. I mean, you know, we've been dealing with this, you know, shoulder malady of his for a couple of years now, and uh, this will be the third time he's going under the knife. So it is a big concern, and that's kind of the reason why I pitched the Nylander idea just because I feel for a guy like Pareko, you need to get someone, as you said, that can help more in the short term versus finding building blocks for the future, which, you know, I think – I mean, while it's always nice to think ahead, the Blues don't necessarily have that need at the moment. They need their window is now, basically. And, you know, getting out of the, you know, losing in the first round like they did, that's going to, you know, that's a bitter taste in in, in a lot of uh, Blues players and Blues fans' mouths that that need to get remedied. But uh, that being said, so let's just say, for instance, these Toronto rumors are not true about Pareko. Perish the thought, a Toronto rumor not being true. Um, then Blues fans have to be wondering if Toronto, if Toronto looks elsewhere uh, to fill that, you know, top, you know, pairing right-handed defense spot that has always been an issue for you guys. You know, it, always, it seems like you, you for the longest time you've been looking for, when was the last time you had like a legit top pairing right-handed defender that you can think of? That was like a franchise level guy. Man, it's been a really long time. Like, I feel like even on those early 2000s teams were probably the last time that the Leafs felt really comfortable with their decor in general. And that was anchored by Brian McCabe and Thomas Caverla. Ever since then, it's just been sort of a patchwork group. Uh, Morgan Riley's been the one constant for them over the last seven or eight years. Um, Obviously, he's coming into a big contract extension coming up, not this year, but in the following season. So that's something that Toronto has to consider when they're making contract extensions now or making offers to free agents that, they're going to have to pay the guys in their organization already Yeah. right now down the road if they want to keep them there. So the right side of the decor, I mean, the only right-handed shot that we have right now on the roster going into next season is Justin Hall. And mm. that's not necessarily like he's looked good at times when he's paired with Jake Muzzin, but we saw how much trouble the Maple Leafs had when Muzzin left the lineup. And then you were forced to make your shutdown pairing German and Hall. They're really exposed in that matchup. So they're for sure going to need to bolster the right side with something. Uh, it's either going to have to be addressed in free agency. There's a couple of big names coming out there or with a trade, but they're going to have to do something if they want to have success or more success once they enter the postseason next year, because the defense depth, as we all know, is the most important. And if you don't have seven or eight guys that you're ready to go to war with, you're going to be in trouble once the injuries start piling up. So knowing that, and then also knowing you know, recently you signed Toronto native, you know, John Tavares, you know, that was kind of like the big homecoming for him. Yeah. Uh, we know Petrangelo is a Toronto native, but we also have an idea of what he'll be asking for in terms of, you know, contract and terms. So if, you know, say Pareko doesn't work out for you guys, or, you know, if, if Bush, if you guys are back, our backs are up against the wall, would Petrangelo be a realistic option for Toronto? 
would we love to have them? Of course. There's 31 teams, soon to be 32, once the Kraken come in, who would love to have Petrangelo in their lineup. Is it realistic? Now, as far as the cap's concerned, I'm not sure that Toronto's going to be able to squeeze this guy in. When you just look at the raw numbers, could they squeeze him in this season? Potentially they could. If they, they'd have to move out a little bit more money, it would probably mean moving Frederick Anderson out for a cheaper goaltender and definitely moving Andreas Janssen out. But then when you just look at the raw numbers and having so much of your cap tied into what would ultimately be five players, you'd have probably about 50 to 60% of your cap tied into that. That's just not sustainable because those five players aren't going to be on the ice enough to make the difference. So when you look at a player of Petrangelo's caliber and what he's going to command, which you figure the minimum is probably going to be 8.5 million over seven years. Like, is that a fair, reasonable argument? And I'm only going low on that understanding that there's a flap cap moving forward. I think that if it was a regular year, he would probably supersede that number of 8.5, but even going on the low end and looking at that term, I just don't see a way that Toronto would be able to make that work in a deal for that player. Yeah. And you talk about having to move a guy like Frederick Anderson out. I mean, he's kind of been the, the guy for you and man losing him to bring in a defenseman that that would just be too scary in my mind. It's counterintuitive, but the chatter has been going in Toronto, whether there's any truth to it or not. Like you said, the rumor mill is always going. And sometimes usually where there's smoke, there's at least a little bit of a fire. Kyle Dubas actually had to address this because Anderson's agent was addressing it. And obviously was causing some discourse in the locker room. He called Anderson and was just saying, listen, man, I'm not offering you up to anybody. He's like, but I just want you to know that teams are actively calling me to see if you're available. I think that if, likely a need free agent such as Robin Leonard came available, but in Vegas doesn't resign him that Toronto would sniff around on that and see if they could get maybe a goaltender of that caliber. Who's proven that they can win in the big games signed in. And then you maybe look at moving Anderson, but to move Anderson before you have a bona fide option to take his place, is kind of like quitting your job before you have a new one. It's just not a good idea. And he's been so consistent in the regular season with, in large part, taking the most rubber of any goaltender over the last three or four years that he's been in Toronto. Yeah, it's very true. It's, it's, it's brutal. Like 50 shots a game on average, probably. Yeah, he's, he's taken for sure like 35, 40, 45, 50 shots a game. And if you look at the numbers, it's like he's usually far and away taking the most shots of any goaltender in the league over the last couple of years. Crazy, crazy. Well, now the Blues and Leafs, they've had some dealings over the years. Uh, the one that stands out to me, though, the most is that Nikita Shoskinov deal. Just, just kidding. Just kidding. Not that one. It, <laughs> Not it's, Sashikov? You, you, don't, you don't like that guy? Uh, mm, nice is he even with the organization still? Is he still with the organization? No, I don't even know. I, I think he went back to the KHL, honestly. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably a better place for that player. He can contribute a little bit more. He never really was cut out for the NHL level, I don't think. No, no not either. Not at all. But really, in all seriousness, it's, it's at least Stepniak for Alex Steen and Carlo Koliakovo deal. Worked out great for St. Louis, but what was the thinking in Toronto at the time that that move was made? Oh, man, you're bringing up some deep wounds here. Like, this was part <laughs> of the dark ages, being a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Like, really, those early 2000s teams where they just didn't seem to have any idea how to construct a roster that was going to be competitive, despite having the advantage of an unlimited payroll of MLSE. They just weren't able to flex that properly to put a winning team on the ice. After the lockout, I feel like the Maple Leafs were one of those teams that just got stuck in the past. And they wanted to still play the game the way that the game was structured before the lockout. That sort of slow, that grinding, that hooking, that slashing, holding along the boards. That was what they were built for. And they really 
were still trying to win that way when they made this deal, probably giving up on a couple prospects a little bit early, which is why Toronto fans are so shy to be shipping Timothy Lilligren out of town. I mean, it seems anytime we trade one of these younger players, they go and pop off in another place. And Goli Akavo, he's actually a good friend of mine, one of the hosts on our station over at TSN 1050. And he has a good laugh about this all the time that he got traded for Lee Stempniak as being in the return. And then you look at Steen's numbers. I mean, he had a couple 30 goal years with St. Louis. So really blossomed. Obviously the contract is not so favorable now as he enters the back nine of his career. He's well into the back nine of his career, probably one that the organization would like to have off the books. But yes, at the time it was highway robbery for the St. Louis blues to acquire those two players for the low price of Lee Stempniak going the other way. Well, and, you know, Alex Steen has been a, such a warrior for the Blues. I mean, that's really the best term I can think of when it comes to Alex Steen. I mean, he's, uh, you know, no, he's, he never was a superstar, but he was a very solid player for a long time, uh, could do a lot of things for you. I mean, he, you know, plays a, you know, two-way game. Uh, I th- even though he makes, a, you know, a lot of money, you know, I think that he's been invaluable the past couple of years, helping with uh, some of the bottom six guys for the Blues advance their game. Ivan Barbashev and Oscar Sundquist are two good examples of that. Just a super good teammate. And he had no ego at all whenever, you know, uh, whenever Coach Barubi told him, hey, I'm moving you down to the fourth line with Sundquist and Barbashev. It, he said it was like a five-minute conversation, and Steen said, I'm, I'll do whatever. It's, it's no problem at all. And uh, a, lot, a lot of Blues fans hold Steen in high regard. And it's, yes, his contract's not the greatest, but at the same time, though, I feel that he's given a lot off the ice or, you know, you know at least in the locker room that, you know, almost, not quite, but almost makes it worth it. Well, it's intangible value that you aren't yeah. going to see on the stat sheet. And you need those guys in your organization, especially when you're looking to develop younger players. It's important to have veteran players in that locker room who are calm, composed. They understand the little tricks of the trade. More importantly, what to, the way to conduct yourself off the ice being just as important as conduct yourself on the ice. And if the younger players don't have someone to learn that from, then their development is going to be stunted. Uh, Steen's production, obviously, as you noted, has gone down over the last couple of years, but you need those guys in the locker room who are going to be veteran presence. I think that's been the knock on Toronto for the last couple of years. They obviously tried to bring in Patrick Marlowe as a veteran presence. It didn't really work out too well in the year three of that deal. They ended up having to ship out a first round pick. So you don't want it to get to that point where you're stuck on a boat anchor of a contract where the guy isn't contributing at all. But in Alex Steen's case, if he's a locker room guy, like everybody in the locker room seems to like him. Barube likes him as a coach, and he's willing to slide in wherever in the lineup and buy into the concept to help the team win. That's exactly the sort of mindset that the organization needs to win and why you guys are the defending cup champions heading into the Stanley Cup run. And I want to think about go back to that Steen trade real quick. So I, 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 as you were talking, I, I seem to recall a, something that Steve Dangle once said about Alex Steen, and that was he was a guy, like not long before that trade was made, that was like the unmovable piece for the, for the Maple Leafs. You know, I guess there was at we least – had a lot of those. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but I guess there was one big name in particular that I think Steen was uh, mentioning as a possible, you know, trade bait for to, to bring into Toronto – and Toronto just said, no, we, we're, we're not going to deal Steen at all. And then it felt like just months later, Steen's going to St. Louis for Stepniak. I mean, what, I mean so did, was, did they just sour on Steen, like, rapidly? Or what, what happened? I mean, it's hard to say. When you look at a prospect of that caliber, I think that they probably were just expecting the development to come by a little faster. And when you look at 
a prospect's development through his career. And there's a certain expectation. I think he was what in year three or four, four with Toronto by the I time thought, that he got dished. Yeah. So at that point in time, the organization has an idea of what kind of player this guy is going to be and what he's going to pan out to be. Obviously they had just given up on the facts. I mean, he was coming off what a couple 15 goal years. And then he was obviously plagued by injuries in 2008, only getting four points on the year, playing 20 games. That was the year that he was moved. I think the organization just felt that they could get ample value in return. Obviously Lee Stempniak didn't pan out to be ample value in any sense. I mean, Stempniak for Koliakovo wouldn't have ended up being worthwhile, let alone throwing in steam for that trade as well. So, I mean, it is what it is. You try to, you know, read the tarot cards as a NHL GM and understand where players are going to develop. And that scouting game can be so difficult because sometimes it'll take five, six, seven years for a guy to catch up to the speed of the NHL game and be able to contribute at that level. Toronto just moved on from these guys just a tad too early. Yeah, that they did. And, and every team has that instance where they, they've given up on somebody that ends up being a star somewhere else. So it's not just crucial that it's Toronto. It, it, it happens to everybody. Doug but, yeah. Gilmore for us, by the yes. way. That's a good example <laughs> for that. Yeah. Oh, boy, boy. I can't, don't bring up Doug Gilmore, please. Don't. I just did. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we like that guy a lot up in Toronto, so I uh, appreciate that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so speaking of these trades, especially that trade, where does that rank among the deals Toronto has regretted the most in their history? I mean, I'd say that in the early, as far as like from 2000 on, that one's up there. Um, I don't think that anything, as far as a Toronto fan is concerned, will ever be able to touch the straight up swap with Boston, Andrew Raycroft for Tuka Rask. I mean, that's like the, the worst trade of all time. As far as Toronto Maple Leafs fans are concerned, you look at how they struggled to find a starting goaltender through those years. While we traded away the all time franchise leader in wins to the Boston Bruins. You've seen his numbers in the postseason, And I think he's in the top five and safe percentage in NHL history in the postseason. He's just been an anchor for them. And in the meantime, it was a rotating door. We're actually talking about all the goaltenders who have showcased in Toronto over that time, whether it was Vesa Toscala, whether it was John Sebastian Jaguar coming over in the tail end of his career, whether it was Jonas Gustafsson, Raycroft obviously didn't work out, Jonathan Bernier. I mean, the list goes on and on of just guys who couldn't solidify the spot. So when you look at Frederick Anderson, just to bring it back to that point earlier and the way that he's been able to play over the last couple seasons, that makes it so much more difficult for the Maple Leafs as an organization to move on because when you move out some of these pieces or a guy who's shown that he's at least capable to get you 40 wins on the year, you can't necessarily just ship that out and without the expectation that you're going to get something of ample value in return because that will certainly put Kyle Dubas's house or Kyle Dubas's head rather in the guillotine. Now I've got to ask you, uh, this is going to be our final question here with you. Uh, but you know, we have a Leafs fan here and I can already tell a lot of blues fans, especially ones our age and older have a question to ask for you to ask you right now. So all St. Louisans and St. Louis blues fans cannot stand the ground that Nick Kip- Kiprios walks on. <laughs> and that is so you because you guys are fans of his new pod, real Kiper. No, no, no. <laughs> we not listening. No. That is, that is banned from my phone. <laughs> I, you know, it is blocked on my phone, but because we, we, we hate him of course, because of the time that he destroyed grand fears knee in the playoffs in 96. That was the year the blues had the great one and it was supposed to be the year. And then, you know, it was ended up being John Casey and that whenever Steve Eisman hit that slap shot, that gives us all nightmares and PTSD. Um, But 
Do you remember that incident at all? And if so, do you think that it was intentional? Because Kiprios has kind of hemmed and hauled around it, but I think even he has kind of admitted that it was a bit intentional. I mean, when you look at that play, hey, it's like I was also very young when that happened, so I didn't probably necessarily understand the severity of the incident at the time. It wasn't until later down the road that I was like, ooh, that might not have been a real cool move. I think there's probably a little bit of fault on both sides on this one. Like Pronger just buried Kiprios in the back on the same play. But I don't think that Kiprios really tried to brace himself at all. In fact, I think he probably threw himself into the hit to run over your fear. I mean, when you look at the game at that point in time, though, this sort of stuff was just commonplace. People crashed the net. There was always the gritty stuff going on in the corners, the elbows, the butt ends, you know, the hooks, the slashes, and the cross checks in the back. Uh, unfortunately for fear, it did end up being a pretty substantial injury. And obviously that really hindered the blues ability because they didn't have the depth in net past him. I mean, most guys, most teams in the playoffs, especially during that time, when they lost their starting goaltender, they were done. There wasn't the tandems that we see nowadays where you have just as capable of a backup that you can throw in the net if the starter is struggling. But Kiprios is a player who always played with an edge. He was in the league because he played with an edge. It wasn't because he was going to go out there and score a bunch of goals for the team. It was because he was going to do the things that nobody else on the team would do so the team could get a win. So in that sense, understanding what caliber of a player he was and understanding how he was going to be able to contribute to the lineup against a team like St. Louis, it wouldn't surprise me if he might have taken a little dive into <laughs> fear. If not, maybe not with the intent to injure him, but at least with the intent to shake him up a bit and rattle him up a bit because he was killing Toronto up until that point. Yeah, and, and, and Fear was having just an incredible year. That was the year that he started like 78 out of the 82 Blues regular season games. Unreal. Well, partly because, I mean, Grant Fear has unreal resilience, but also because Mike Keenan was a freaking psychopath. <laughs> um, but that's, that, that's besides the point. You know, and, and Wags, I mean, you, you've seen that, you know, that play probably at least, uh, you know, a hundred times. I mean, yeah, Pronger did bump Kiprios, but the way Kiprios fell – he went the other way of where he should have fell, basically. That, that, that's, that's my stance on it. That's your stance too, right, Wags? Yeah, I mean, but to, to Ken's point, that, that was the style of game that was being played at that time. So, you know, I, I don't think it was an intent to injure, but definitely an intent to rattle yeah. and get inside Grant Fear's head. Uh, and it just happened to be at the worst possible angle, and it just became the worst possible outcome of it. Uh, and, you know, I – like you said, we all hate Nick Kiprios here. We thought that was going to be the year for the Blues. But now yeah. we've got a Stanley Cup. And to be perfectly honest, I'll extend an olive branch, and I'll have him on the show and, and let him plead his case and, and maybe even get back into the good graces of St. Louis fans. So if there's ever an opportunity for Nick Kiprios to be on our show, I'll take it. It's an olive branch. It's, it's out there for him. Well, I, I, we, I, I recently watched Grand Fear's documentary, which is excellent, by the way, that came out just in the past couple of years. And um, he was talking about that uh, incident. And uh, Fear doesn't hold any grudge against Kiprios over that. He knows what Kiprios was trying to do, you know, just trying to create some chaos, you know, as, as he said, which, you know, that, that makes some sense. It just kind of, unfortunately, uh, Fear's what, knee was in the position to where if he did get hit, what happened happened so it was an unfortunate incident and i guess you're right i guess the stanley cup does help uh, uh heal all wounds although we have a leafs fan in our midst so uh yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe we shouldn't be talking about that too much i don't know yeah don't talk about the stanley cup too much i mean we're ready to plan the parade already it seems like coming into every preseason i think this one might have a 
a little bit of a different feel because there's a lot more questions for the first time really in the last four or five seasons, but still excited to see what the team can whip up here in the off season. A couple of big name free agents out there, a couple of your boys, I love Petrangelo, a couple of other defensemen and Chris Tanev, TJ Brody on the market. So there will be a lot of excitement. We'll have to see how everything shakes up for what hopefully will be two cup contender teams coming into next season. And I guess Kyle Dubas's uh, job is safe for the moment. Yeah, for now, I, like, I don't think the organization has any intention on moving on from Dubas. I think usually you give them at least three years, four yeah. years to get their players and their system in place. This is his first year that he'll have his head coach in place as well, Sheldon Keefe, who came in at the, I think I was about 20 games in, in relief of Mike Babcock. So I don't expect that Kyle Dubas is on the hot seat at all at this point. Now, if Toronto doesn't make the playoffs this year or if they face another first-round exit, then there might be some questions to be asked. But in the short term for now, his job will be all right. Yeah, there was some hot seat talk after the uh, first round exit. But uh, uh, as you said, g- give the guys some time. And uh, thanks for being on our hot seat as well. Ken Stapon of TSN 1050 in Toronto, as well as Not Another Leafs podcast, which, by the way, I love the name of that, you know, for real. I, I mean, that, that, is like, that is easily in my top five of all Hockey Podcast Network podcast names. Seriously, bravo, sir. No, I appreciate it. There's so much Leafs content out there. It's like, what else are we going to do? Well, everybody's, everybody's favorite and least favorite team in the league. Exactly, exactly. And uh, go ahead and plug away. Tell us where we can find you. And, of course, uh, you're up and running with the Hockey Podcast Network. So uh, who you got on this week? Yeah, uh, it's uh, at McCarthy 95 and at Ken Stapon. Uh, we're both the hosts. Uh, really good stuff on the Hockey Podcast Network, at LeafsPod on Twitter. Uh, we got into some pretty good chatter just this week about all the playoff series. I mean, Dallas, what an incredible win over Colorado. Really exciting. I, th- I mean, they were my favorite to come out of the West. So it'll be exciting to watch that series between Vegas and Dallas unfold. We got into that as well as delving into the Eastern Conference and Frank Saravelli's trade bait board. I don't know if you guys have checked that out on tsn.ca, but he threw a couple absolute grenades into the free agent market, including Ooh. Matt Murray, Patrick Laine. Uh, Oliver Ekman Larson, all in the top 20 players that he suspects will be dealt at the deadline. We got into that in our favorites and least favorites of who's actually going to get dealt off that board. So a lot of great content every week on the Hockey Podcast Network, new episodes every Monday. And I think Vince Dunn was number 13 on that board, if I'm not mistaken, Wags. Uh, he's, a, he's a guy that's been a popular trade idea this offseason. So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens with him. But uh, in the meantime, Ken, thank you so much for being on. And uh, uh, we'll, uh, we'll be tuning in every Monday. Yeah, cheers. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. All right, we'll pay some bills and then uh, close out this episode here on Blue Notes. This episode of the Blue Notes podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? You know if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. Have you ever wished she was smoother down there? She probably has too. If you're anything like me and or just not a neurosurgeon with a steady hand, you probably neglect below the belt. Manscaped has us covered. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Whew! 
One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates growing areas for closer and more precise trimming. That's insane. If you're listening to me speak right now, you're one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the promo code THPN at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping again with promo code THPN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code THPN. The best in men's below-the-belt grooming. All right, and I think that will just about do it for this episode of Blue Notes. Wags, any final thoughts? Uh, just excited for this offseason to really get humming. It started a little bit earlier with the Jake Allen trade that we didn't really know was coming so soon, uh, but it just sets up a great, great offseason for not just the Blues, but a lot of teams in the NHL. And I'm also just looking forward to the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, you're here you're in the Western and Eastern Conference Finals leading to the Stanley Cup four great teams, four St. Louisans on each one. So it's going to be a great, exciting week of hockey after I get out of surgery. After you get out of surgery, of course. Another another name tied with the St. Louis Blues that is going under the knife in this month. So that's uh, uh, just like Tara Sanko, we wish you the best of health. Um, in the meantime, we'll uh, we'll probably forge on without you next week. Although you you could pull a Willis Reed on us and you know you know in his broken leg and walk through the tunnel and be back. So spilling my guts out on the table. Yeah, literally, literally. I mean, I mean that that's what Blues fans do. I mean, and, and you'll be bleeding blue all over the place. I mean, it's going to be a massacre. I mean, <laughs> so you'll definitely want to watch the video version of Blue Notes next week uh, if you want to see a man die live on uh, <laughs> on live live in the live recording. Uh, it's gonna be great. Um, <laughs> that was a little Any, more. Anything that for the show, man. Anything for the show. <laughs> that, that got a little dark. That got a little dark. Okay, uh, but seriously, dude. Uh, wish you. We'll try to avoid. You know, try to avoid comedies that make you bust a gut laughing. You know, because you might actually bust your gut laughing. So yes. Yeah, but seriously, dude. Hopefully, all goes well for you. Um, Give him some stick taps, uh, Blue Notes listeners, and uh, keep him in your thoughts and prayers if you're into that sort of thing. So I want to thank you for listening because without you, there is no me, there is no WAGS, and there is no Hockey Podcast Network and certainly no Blue Notes. I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.